aren't you thankful that we had a change in our lives because of what Jesus did for us? Amen? Amen. It's Good Friday. Amen. I used to say, I don't know what's so good about it because Jesus died that day, and, and that's not necessarily a good thing, but it, it's pretty bad what happened to Jesus. Uh, but it's good that he did it instead of me. Amen. And it's good that he rose from the dead after it. And it's only good because of what happened on Sunday. Amen. Amen. And we're thankful. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful to be here tonight. There's no better place to be on Good Friday than than right here. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity um, tonight. We're going to partake of communion after the message um, because my message is really um, you know, pastor had asked me to let him know what I, what I felt and how we're going to do it. And and as the Lord uh, began to deal with me on tonight, my message really is all about communion. And so we're going to we're going to go a little more in depth, maybe than you've ever gone before in communion. And, and it may be a little teachy. It may be a little preachy. It, it we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, we're going to we're going to preach and teach and we're going to talk about communion. And then we're I'm hoping that we're just going to have an, an amazing communion service tonight where God is just going to manifest his presence and we're going to we're going to take it with uh, in a way that we've never done before tonight. And I believe God wants to do something special in our lives and in this body of Christ tonight. So if you would, please turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22, the book of Luke, chapter 22. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 20. Again, that's Luke chapter 22. Verses 14 through 20, we'll read that, and then you can be seated. Again, thank you for being here. Amen. Say amen when you've got it. Everybody doing all right tonight? I'm tired. I've been working all day, um, working on projects and putting furniture together and running errands and doing some sermon prep and praying and trying to get, and I tell you, it's just been a busy day. I'm tired, but I'm grateful to be here tonight. Amen. And so if you'll just help me preach tonight, hopefully we'll get through this pretty quickly. Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 14. And when the hour was come, he, being Jesus, sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It was going to be the last Passover that he partook with them on earth and and then verse 15, he says, for I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it. And gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And verse 20 says, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. I want to take my thought tonight from verse 19, the last uh, line, if you will, of that verse. This do. In remembrance of me, this do in remembrance of me. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands to the Lord, and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for Calvary. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for the blood. We're thankful 
for everything that you did for us. Lord, if it had not been for your death and your burial and your resurrection, if it had not been for the blood you shed, if it had not been for the crown of thorns, if it had not been for the nails that were driven into your hands and the nails that were driven into your feet, if it had not been for that whip that went on your back, Lord, there would have never been a provision for my healing. Lord, I'm thankful for everything that you've done for me. And on this Good Friday, Lord, we remember what you have done for us and help us never forget what you have done for us. Help us tonight, Lord, as we preach your word. Lord, I pray that you would allow this these lips of clay to be vessels that you can use tonight. Lord, help me to expound upon what you have asked me to preach to your people today. Lord, as your word goes forth today, let it bring light. Let it bring understanding and help us to get a greater understanding of what this Last Supper, what this, this communion, this, this Lord's Supper really means tonight, Lord. And when we partake of it tonight, Lord, I'm asking that you would grace us with your presence, Lord, in a very special and unique and fresh way. And let there be renewing and let there be rededication and let there be a great time, Lord, as we partake of this communion tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord tonight? <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, the human brain is one of the most fascinating and complex systems among God's creations. If it wasn't for your brain, obviously, you wouldn't be alive. That's why I wonder why some of y'all, you know, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That's why my wife wonders why I'm still alive sometimes. <laughs> But our learning and our memory process holds some amazing mysteries all of their own, the way the brain operates, the way we remember. So let me ask you this. When did you learn your times tables? Probably first grade, second grade, third grade. Um, most of you could probably still quote your times tables from memory. It might take you a little while, but some of you could probably do it pretty quickly. One times one is one, one times two is two, one times three is three, and so on and so forth. And we could go and we could do that. And, um, it's, it's our memory. And yet it was for some of you 30 years ago, for some of you 40 years ago, for some of you 10 years ago, for some of you three years ago, or whatever the case may be. But you can remember your times tables because you committed them to memory. Now, whenever I see a syringe, a needle, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with shots. I never have. Um, as a matter of fact, I like to watch the needle go in. Um, I, I'm, I'm weird like that. I, I don't really have a problem with it. But whenever I see a syringe, I am immediately taken back to the memory of when as a young boy, 8 and 9 and 10 years old, my grandmother was living with me, and I used to have to give her insulin injection, injections because my mom couldn't do it. And my dad would be at work, and I would have to give my grandmother insulin injections because my mom's uh, hands weren't steady enough. Um, and uh, I, I, I remember her laying on the bed there or sitting at the table, and I would administer her shots to her. Just by seeing a syringe, I'm taken down memory lane by something that I saw. Whenever I eat at Sonic Drive-In, and boy, I love a Sonic number two with mustard and no onions with tater tots and, and didn't get a vanilla milkshake. Man, I tell you, I love it. I didn't have dinner tonight, so I got to make sure I stay on track. But I remember... Working hard all week long during the summer on my grandfather's farm, on Papa's farm. And, and at the end of the week, um, we would go to Sonic for a hamburger and a Pepsi, as he always said. And he would always buy me a milkshake. And I could almost taste it now. 
But I could, I could easily think about things right now that would, and just thinking about my grandfather reminds me of so many memories and they come flooding back. Um, I could easily take a stroll down memory lane right now and, and memories would come flooding back that maybe even I thought I had forgotten, but they're, they're still in my mind. There are, there are traumatic experiences that are sometimes buried in our memories. And although we think we may have forgotten them or buried them, there are sometimes triggers that bring those memories back. And with the memory, sometimes not only do you remember that traumatic experience, but sometimes you remember the panic. Sometimes you remember the fear. Sometimes you remember the anger. Sometimes you remember the the, the um the pain, the, the hurt, the trauma, you, you sometimes begin to feel those same emotions that you felt in that moment. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Have you, you ever been there? You, you remember something and you remember the same way you felt. How, how about music? I can remember songs and I can remember specific things that I have done while listening to those songs. There are worship songs that I can remember and it takes me back to some great moments in, in my spiritual walk, in my, my spiritual life. I can sometimes we'll, we'll hear a song. The other uh, On Sunday we were singing that song, The Old Rugged Cross Made, or Wednesday night, sorry it was Wednesday night. We sang the song that The Old Rugged Cross made the difference for me and I, I began I told my wife when we got home I almost I was holding the tears back because that was my grandfather's favorite song and my dad used to play that on the guitar and and he would sing that song and and he he would almost have tears every time he sang it because he knew that that was his father's favorite song and there are certain songs that that you listen to and it'll take you back to the time you got the Holy Ghost or it'll take you back to the time when you had a, a landmark moment in your memories. It's, it's funny how our memory works. Memory is a powerful thing. Sometimes just by listening to a song or, or seeing something, those triggers will come and you actually relive the memory, the experience. Amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So memory is a powerful thing and so it's no wonder that Jesus instituted what we call the Lord's Supper or communion to be something that is directly tied to memory. Memory is a very significant part of our spiritual walk, a significant part of our relationships with the Lord. God put a rainbow in the sky so that both he and mankind would remember his promise to never again destroy the earth with a flood. Moses told the Israelites in Numbers chapter 15 to put a fringe on the borders of their garments which would serve to remind them of all of the Lord's commandments and to obey them and, and to remember what the promises were and believe for them to come to pass. David wrote in Psalm 20 and verse 7, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Whenever we are afraid, whenever we are in doubt, whenever we are facing uncertain situations or circumstances, we just need to remember the name of the Lord. We just need to remember his mighty hand that has worked on our behalf. We just need to remember that he's as close as the mention of his name. We just need to remember the mighty things he has done for us. And if I know that he did it for me before and he doesn't change, then I know that he can do it again. We overcome what? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we testify about things that we remember that God has done for us. Memory is a powerful thing. 
Jesus began to teach the disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees, and they thought that he was talking about food. And, and, and they were like, well, uh, they began to argue amongst themselves about wh- who forgot to put the picnic basket in the van before they took their trip. Oh, wait, that's my family. <laughs> One time we went to, we went to have a, a picnic. We were going to do a cookout, and we forgot to bring anything to light the fire with to <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to do that. And we're like, well, how are we going to light this fire? We're trying to figure it out. And, and, you know, and then and then everybody's arguing about whose fault it was. Well, I kind of imagine that that's what the disciples were thinking about. Well, is he is he talking about leaven because leaven is the yeast that you put in the bread? Is he talking about leaven because because we forgot to bring something? And Jesus began to kind of upbraid them because he said, why are you talking about food? Don't you remember the five loaves and the two fishes. Don't you remember the, the, the seven loaves and the four fishes? Don't you remember how I fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes? Don't you remember how I've always provided? You, he's trying to tell them something. Uh, you need to remember what I've done for you. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. He Basically, he was saying, look, I gave you a memory. Why don't you use it? Well, we could laugh about that, right? I mean, but I kind of see Jesus like, come on, guys, really? Don't you remember? How many times have you thought that? You're talking with someone and say, look, don't you remember? How many times you read the Bible and you look at the Israelites and you t- you're reading through the Old Testament and you start getting mad? Like, don't you remember he parted the Red Sea? Don't you remember he brought water out of a rock? Don't you re- I mean, our spiritual, a lot of our relationship with God is tied to our memory. And so we, we forget things sometimes, and then we get upbraided or whatever. But Jesus told us that memory is an important thing. Jesus told us to remember Lot's wife so we don't look back and go the other way. When the ladies came to Jesus' tomb that resurrection Sunday, the angels told them, He is not here, but he is risen. Remember what he said to you when he was with you. There are certain things that we are supposed to remember and remember well. This do in remembrance of me. And that is what the Lord's Supper or or communion is all about. When Jesus ate the Passover with his disciples, he told them, This do in remembrance of me. The indication here is that there is something we're supposed to do in order to remember something important. And we can sometimes pass over that word doeth. This doeth in remembrance of me. Or this do in remembrance of me. But th- the Lord's Supper is something that we do. In order to remember what he has already done. Amen. Whenever we partake of communion. There are two elements that we, partic- we, we typically partake of. Which are. Uh, and as some people throw foot washing in, and we'll do that sometimes. We're not doing that tonight. But uh, we, we have the bread and we have the cup. And each one of those elements represents something that is very important for us to remember as we do them or as we partake of them. As we do communion, we need to remember some things. And we're going to talk about some things we need to remember tonight. Communion is something that we do as a memorial. Amen. This do in 
remembrance of me. Now, we could easily just just uh, look at, at something and take that at surface value and say that, that we do communion because Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we could have salvation. Amen. That's true. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's a great place to start. But really, that's just scratching the surface of what the Lord's Supper is really all about. I want to help us gain a little bit of a better understanding of the Lord's Supper tonight, of communion, in order to really appreciate and reverence the ceremony. And I'm not saying we've ever done it wrong or anything like that, but I, I, I have always tried to take communion with such reverence. And, and as I really began to study it this year, I, it just, it just kind of began to open my eyes about things, and, and I began to think, wow, you know, Lord, I hope I've never taken it too lightly. And I'm not saying that we've ever done that, but just in me, in my heart, that I wanted to say, Lord, I, I want to be able to take this with a little bit more reverence. And, and I think if we do that tonight, because if we understand what it really means, we, I think we'll have a little more reverence. And so bear with me tonight. I believe that we do ourselves, I believe we do our communion service a disservice. If, if all we think about is just the fact that Jesus died and rose again. And, and don't, I'm not negating that. I'm not trying to minimize that because that's the greatest thing that ever happened. Amen. Amen. Outside of him filling us with the Holy Ghost, and that was only possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm not trying to negate that or minimize that. We're going to talk about it. It's very important. But that's not all that it's about. Jesus said that if we do not partake of communion, we have no part of him. He was teaching, and he said that he was the bread of life, and that they had to eat of his flesh in order to have eternal life. And the Jews were like, hold on a second, what do you mean? And a matter of fact, some of them began to leave after they heard this lesson because they're like, that just doesn't make any sense. How are you going to give us your flesh? We're not, we're not cannibals. We're, we're, we're not savages. What, what are you talking about, Jesus? And look at John chapter 6, verses 53 through 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Look at that. No life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up. At the last day. Did you know communion is tied to heaven? <laughs> and us getting there. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. If you don't do it, you don't have part of him. Because he's saying, if you partake of this Lord's Supper, if you partake of this communion, you have part of me. You have life in you. Now, I'm not saying you can't be saved without communion. But what I'm saying is this is an important part of something that, 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 that connects us on a more intimate way with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not creating a new doctrine here. All right, bear with me. And I'm not saying that communion saves you either, by the way, because you still have to go through the right steps. We'll talk about those a little bit later, too. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Verse 57, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is, he's pointing to, I can imagine he's pointing to himself. 
He's pointing to his flesh. This is that bread which came down from heaven. A few verses before that, he just came right out and told them, I am the bread of life. So this is, his body is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. In other words, in the Old Testament, they ate the manna, but they still died. But I'm the manna that will give you everlasting life. Well, you will never die. He that eateth of this bread. Not me, I'm just pointing to myself as if Jesus is, is pointing. This bread, this, this flesh shall live forever. And so if we really want to be a part of the kingdom, communion is an important part of that relationship. If you really wish to have a relationship with Jesus, then the Lord's Supper really is a necessary observance. He, Jesus said, as oft as you do this. Um, he, he didn't just say, if you ever do this, he said, as oft as you do it. In other words, you need to do it. You should be doing it. And you can choose how often you do it. Some churches do it every month. Some churches do it every Sunday. We do it two or three times a year or whenever we feel like we need to do it. Um, and, but any time that we do it, we do it in remembrance of Jesus and what he's done for us. Amen? Amen. In the Old Testament times, they ate manna. And during those times, that was the only sustenance that they had. If they didn't partake of the manna, they didn't eat. And if you don't eat, you don't live. And in the same way, if we do not partake of the body and blood of Christ, we will not have the sustenance that we need. When we partake of communion, we are signifying that we are committed to consistently partaking of him, to abide in him and everything that that means, staying in the word. Praying, fasting, putting our flesh into subjection, uh, experiencing his suffering, his death, repentance, all of those things. It, it, it signifies that we are committed to staying connected with Jesus. It also represents that we are willing to or have actually obeyed the commands to be a part of him. We call it the new birth experience. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're receiving new life in Christ. So communion represents that we are abiding in him. The word abide uh, means to dwell with or to be in right relationship with Jesus, to be in harmony with him. Uh, when I partake of communion, I'm saying, Lord, I'm doing everything I can to be right with you. Amen. And these are the only things that lead us to eternal life. When we obey the gospel, when we obey the commands that we find in Scripture, abiding in him, those are the things that lead us to eternal life. And so communion is a symbol. It's not communion itself that saves us or keeps us in relationship, but it is a symbol that we are actually a part of his kingdom and that we're thankful for the privilege of being a part of his kingdom. Does that make sense? And so Jesus said that if we partake, he will one day raise us up again. The new birth is as much a part of communion as remembrance is. Because I'm saying I'm in right relationship with you. I've done what you've asked me to do, and I'm walking in your kingdom now, and I'm a part of you, and you're a part of me. Amen? Does that make sense? I'm not scaring anybody off, right? I'm not, I'm not messing anybody's theology up. This is all scripture. Now let's talk about the elements a little bit. The bread obviously represents the body of Christ. Jesus said, you've got to eat my flesh. You've got to eat this bread. He's talking about his body. I am the bread of life. The bread represents several different things in Scripture. The first one is that it, it, it is a reflection of the manna 
or the daily bread that the people got in the wilderness in, in the spiritual Israel and in our lives now manna is that daily bread that we need it represents our sustenance it it represents my daily walk with Jesus it represents my prayer life it represents my devotional life and how much time I spend in the word of God it represents my daily communion with God my communication with God my union with God. If you if you take the com the word communion in a way, you can kind of break it down, and it means communication, and it means union, and you put those things together, and you are in harmony with God, and in, and you're communicating on a consistent basis with Him. This doeth in remembrance of me. I remember when I take the bread at communion that I need Him every day. Every moment of my life, I need his word. I need his spirit. I need his touch. He is my daily bread. When I partake of the bread at communion, I am remembering that, Jesus, I need you so desperately. Amen? Praise God. The second thing that bread represents is bread represents life. And in this case, literally, it represents our new life. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, look at this, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin Jesus has told us that when we partake of, of bread, it was a sign that we were abiding in him and that he was abiding with us. And part of abiding, as I mentioned before, is staying right with him. And Paul tells us that because we have been born again, because we went down in the waters of baptism and buried the old man and we raised up out of those waters and were resurrected into new life, we have this new life. And once we are united with him and united with his death, and I have identified with his death on the cross, through baptism then we should no longer walk in sin but rather we should walk in newness of life the bread that we eat at Passover demonstrates our commitment to live in Christ and allow him to live in us Paul said I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me Amen. In the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that what Easter is all about? He loved me and gave himself for me. Paul understood that controlling his own life was no longer important. His relationship with Jesus, surrendering his life to the one who willingly gave himself for him was far more important than anything Paul wanted to do with his own life. And that's part of communion. I'm saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I'm walking in new life with you. It's not about me. It's all about you. 
John said it like this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, John is pretty bold here, is a liar. <laughs> you can't say you're a Christian and then disobey the commandments and think you're still a Christian. If you do that, you're lying to yourself and everybody else. So you got to get it right. And that's what John is saying. And he says, and the truth is not in him. And y'all would probably kick us out of here if we started preaching that way to you. <laughs> but yet John is writing that to the church. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. And hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth, abideth in him. Look at this. Ought himself also to walk even as he walked. John said that when we say we know him, we're we're a part of him. And we've got to keep his commandments. We've got to walk the way Jesus walked and the way he tells us to walk. And the communion bread reminds us that Jesus Christ, who is the true bread of life, must live in us, making it possible for us. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. Making it possible for us to walk in newness of life, to live as he lived and as he requires us to live. So whenever we partake of the bread, we are not only reminding ourselves of what Jesus did for us, but also what we have promised to do for him. Amen. In essence, every time we partake of the bread at communion, it should be an opportunity for us to rededicate and reconsecrate our lives to Jesus. This do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of Jesus and what he did for us. But this do in remembrance also of what I said I was going to do for him because of what he did for me. Amen. And the third thing that the bread represents, Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus broke the bread just as he would be broken. We break the bread at communion, which is symbolic of his breaking during his crucifixion. He was broken they beat him with a whip that had tails on it that they tied pieces of pottery and nails and rocks to. And they got the biggest, strongest guy that they could get as that whip, that person that would, that would uh, swing that whip. And he would get just close enough that that whip would wrap around the body of the one being whipped. And those Nails and those pieces of glass and pottery and rocks would wrap around the body of the one being beaten. And then that guy would just take it back. He, he didn't even let him fall down again. He would literally just rip them back as hard as he could. Literally ripping shreds of flesh out of Jesus' body. It was bloody. It was gory. It wasn't a pretty sight. And the world doesn't want us to preach about blood, but there had to be bloodshed. And, 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 and it doesn't, he doesn't want us to preach about the, the, the goriness of the, the crucifixion. But that's what Jesus did for you. And that's what he did for me. He was broken so badly that the Bible says they couldn't even recognize him when it was over. He took it all because of his love for me and his love for you. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They didn't just place it on there. They took a cane, a reed, and they beat it down on his head so that those thorns literally ripped his scalp. They plucked his beard. They spit in his face. They drove nails into his hands and into his feet. 
It wasn't pretty. He was broken. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 7. The prophet said, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Not his, because he didn't have any. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our, for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, not my stripes, with his stripes, we are healed. Why? Because all we like sheep have gone astray. We all turned and tried to do it our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet through it all he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. If he had opened his mouth, who knows what would have happened. Because just word from well, just one word from Jesus will change the situation. He could have called the angels, but he didn't. He could have he could have spoken a word, and they would have all fallen out, and the earth could have opened up and swallowed them, and he would have been able to to get the nails from being driven into his hands and keep them from doing what they were doing. But he would not utter a word because he loved you, and because he loved me. All that he did at Calvary, he did for me. All of that breaking, he did for you. This do in remembrance of me when I partake of the bread. And this is what I do. I literally take that bread and I break it again in my hand. And as that cracker snaps or as that, that bread, if it's actual bread, as it as I'm ripping it apart, I remember that Jesus paid it all so I didn't have to pay. He was broken so I did not have to be broken. This do in remembrance of me, of the fact that I didn't hang on the cross. I didn't have nails driven into my hands. I didn't have my beard plucked out. I didn't take the stripes for my own healing. Jesus did it for me. And when I partake of the bread, I'm remembering that Jesus was broken. So I didn't have to be broken. The cup. The cup obviously represents the blood. And thank God for the blood. Because without blood, there's no remission of sins. There's no way for our sins to be forgiven. No remission without the blood. And you can look that up. That's in Hebrews 9 and 22. I didn't give it to him. But there is no remission of sins without the blood. And the, But the blood not only, it doesn't just wash our sins. It doesn't just wipe them out, but it remits them. It makes it possible that Jesus would, would no longer remember our sins anymore. When Because of the blood, it's like our sins never happened. When you repent of your sins and you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, it's like your sins never happened. He throws them behind his back and he doesn't look back. And then he forgets about them and he will remember them no more. 
This doeth in remembrance of me, of the blood that Jesus shed for me. That blood reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never ever lose its power there is wonder working power in the blood of jesus there is sin washing and remitting power in the blood of jesus there is healing power in the blood of jesus this doeth in remembrance of me when i drink of that cup of communion i'm remembering the blood he shed so that i could be saved But I found something very interesting, and I'm trying to hurry and get done with this. In Jewish tradition, the Passover meal actually was organized around four cups of wine. And each one of those four cups is significant to our communion. And we're not going to do four cups. We don't need to do that. We can just do one. That's all Jesus did was one. um, And that's all, you know, that's the way we do it. We don't have to go and do four different cups and all that. But. The Passover meal actually is instituted around four different cups of wine that they would drink. And each one of them is is very significant. The first cup. So let me just say this. Each one of the cups represents a specific promise to Israel. And so therefore they're significant to the church today. Because we're spiritual Israel if you want to look at it that way. So the first cup represented that God would bring them out. God brought Israel out of Egypt just like he brings us out of sin. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He was not willing that you should perish, but that you should come to repentance. He was willing that your sins would be washed away when you get baptized in his name. He was willing that you would have power to walk again when he filled you with his spirit. He did all of that so that he could bring you out of sin, not so you could turn back again. He did it so that you could be brought out of your sin. And thank God for it. Amen. When I take that cup, I'm remembering that Jesus brought me out of a life of sin. He took me out of the miry clay and put my feet on a rock to stay this doeth in remembrance of me remembrance of the fact that he brought me out of sin I don't know what kind of life you lived before Jesus but I know what kind of life I lived and I'm thankful that he brought me out of that amen the second cup represented that I will rescue you from bondage The children of Israel were not only brought out of Egypt, but they were also brought out of that bondage of slavery. Jesus is our deliverer. He's our great emancipator. He's the one that sets us free. I love the old hymn that says, He set me free. It says, Once like a bird, in prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow I found. But Jesus came and listened to me. And glory to God, He set me free. The course says, He set me free. Yes, He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound because my Jesus to see. Glory to God. He set me 
free. I was bound by needing acceptance. I was bound by trying to be like everybody else. I was bound by hurt and pain of things that had happened while I was a young child, and I did not want to be a part of the church. But Jesus set me free from that pain. He set me free from that burden. He set me free from my rebellion. He set me free from my bad attitude. He set me free from living a life of filth. He set me free. He set me free. He set me free. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that's ever been set free from anything. I don't want to forget what I, what I came out of. I don't want to forget what he rescued me from. I don't need to go back and glorify it. I don't want to go back and live it as if I'm trying to relive the glory days. But I need to remember from where I came. When I partake of that communion cup, this doeth in remembrance of me that Jesus set me free. It's not just a token thing I do because the pastor says it's time to do communion. I'm doing it because Jesus set me free. And the third cup represented, I will redeem you. God redeemed Israel by giving them the promised land. He, he took them into the Canaan's land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. And now in the church today, we are also beneficiaries of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And, and, and because of his blood, we have been redeemed to a new life. It's, it's not just any life, though. Oh, come on, somebody. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief cometh not. See, when I, when I wasn't living for Jesus, I, I, I didn't have an abundant life. See, uh, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Before Jesus, I was miserable. Before Jesus, my life stunk. Before Jesus, my life was empty. It was void. It, it had no meaning. It was without purpose. It was without direction before Jesus my life was like I was walking around like a chicken with my with its head cut off and I was just going around in circles and I was in a rut that was going deeper and deeper and deeper and I couldn't move and I didn't know how to get out I wasn't even sure I wanted to get out but thank God for a preacher that came my way and preached and allowed me to remember what Jesus had done for me that he said you can have life and have it more abundantly this doeth in remembrance of me. When I drink the cup at communion, I'm not only remembering what he did, but I remember that if he had not done it, where might I be? As Dwight L. Moody said, when he passed a wino in the alley one time, he looked over and saw that, that old, that drunk guy in the alley, and he said, but by the grace of God, there lies Dwight L. Moody. I can walk by people all the time that are struggling with things and said, but by the grace of God, there lies Lewis Brown. But by the grace of God, there lies Lewis Brown. I don't know where I would be right now, but I'm thankful for the blood. So when I take of that cup, I'm remembering I might not be where I want to be yet. I might not be who I want to be yet, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. Come on, somebody. Thank God I'm not who I used to be. I can look back and say, you know what? I might not be perfect yet, and none of us are, and I still got a long ways to go. But if I look back over the path, I can realize just how far I've come. 
And when I think of communion, I try to remember just how far I've come. Oh, come on, somebody. You're not where you used to be. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You, you are not where you used to be. You are not who you used to be. God has caused you to grow. He has brought you out of some stuff, and you don't even have to worry about that. So some of you need to remember while you're taking communion where you used to struggle and the things you used to struggle with and realize you don't struggle with those things anymore. Praise God. <laughs> but by the grace of God, this do it in remembrance. Of me. Now, the fourth cup represented that God was going to take us as his people and be our God. Now, it's interesting when you study this out, it seems that in Jewish tradition kind of tells us that Jesus only did the three things during his last supper. Because he says in Matthew 26, 29. I say unto you, I will not henceforth. I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now, that verse has baffled me for a really long time because he's drinking that cup while he's with them. But then he's saying, I'm not going to drink. And it baffled me until I understood that there was four cups. And it seems in Jewish tradition is saying that he was just holding that fourth cup for when he comes back. To take his people with him. He was saving the last cup. For when we can all sit down in glory and drink it with him. That represents the second coming of Jesus Christ. He was communicating to his family. That one day there's going to be a great big old family reunion in heaven. And we're all going to sit at the master's table together. And we're going to drink of that cup. Come and dine, the master call it. The, come and dine. And if you've been born again of water and spirit, you're going to be there. If you're living a holy life, you're going to be there to partake of that dinner at that family reunion. This doeth in remembrance of me. It's not just what he did, but it's what he's going to do for us. He is coming again. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we're here right now. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain. Oh, man, I want to be a part of that one. If I got to go by way of the grave, so be it. But, man, I want to be, I think maybe before I die, that's going to happen. And I'm going to be so happy when it happens. Those which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds oh I want to be there to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with our Lord Ah, I can't wait. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. 
I want to walk the streets of glory. I want to look him straight in his face. I want to stick my hand, my, my, my finger in those nail prints. I want to hug his neck. I want to just be in his kingdom and be with him forever and ever. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This too shall pass. One of these days I'm going to a place where I don't have to worry about all this struggle anymore. Revelation 19, verse 9, he saith unto me, Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what we're talking about, the fourth cup. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And then Revelation 22, verses 2 through 4, and I'm almost done. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. This is what we have to look forward to prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying I believe it's Revelation 21 I apologize I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. That's the fulfillment of what Jesus said, that I'll drink it when I, and, and that's the fulfillment of that fourth cup, that he would be with us and he would be our God. And look at verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying not only is he going to wipe your tears away, but there'll never be another tear again. Neither shall there be any more pain. Oh, thank God for that one. Thank God. I hate pain. I don't like it. I'm allergic to it. I can't stand it. For the former things are passed away. It's going to be a grand reunion in heaven. And I'm going to be a part of it. And I hope that you want to be a part of it. This doeth in remembrance of me. Not just what he did, but what he's going to do. He's going to take me home with him. He's going to wipe my tears away. Once and for all, he's going to defeat death. He's going to take away all my pain, all the sicknesses. This doeth. In remembrance of me, I want you to stand with me, please. Jesus is coming soon, and we are going to live with him. Would you just clap your hands to the Lord? Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> Praise God. See, communion is not just about saying, yeah, Jesus died and rose again. And, I, and, and again, I'm not trying to minimize that. It's awesome, but isn't there so much more to it? I think I probably just scratched the surface of it tonight. There's so much more to it. So we're going to do it just a little bit differently. And maybe we're going to take a little bit more time with communion tonight. And I think that's okay. Because it's something that, that we, we need to reverence. And This is my first time ever doing a communion service and leading it. And so please be patient with me. But let me just explain a few things to you. Pastor Tryon and Brother Milton are going to come. And they're going to serve you. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come and get the elements. Um, anyone that's here that wants to partake of it can partake of it. I'm going to leave it to your own conscience whether or not you feel like it. I don't want you to think you can't do it. We're going to have a time of repentance in just a moment. And if